and welcome to the ET691 Internship Podcast with your host, Irene Bow. Welcome back to the ET691 Internship Podcast. As explained in the semester overview, ET691 is a pass-fail course in which you will submit components of your portfolio for review throughout the semester and by the due dates listed. To pass, all components of your portfolio must be met. You will have opportunities to resubmit any items that are not met, but your goal is to be met on your first submission. This episode focuses on the key concept portfolio and how to choose artifacts and write your rationales to be met in the first submission, and we'll also highlight suggestions and strategies for your key concept portfolio. Today I'm with Michelle Baskin, a recent alumna from the Loyola EdTech program, talking about strategies for being met. Welcome, Michelle. Hello. Um, So before we dive in, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Certainly. I just finished my 15th year in teaching. Um, I Most of that has been in the metro DC area, and I teach high school chemistry at multiple different levels. And I kind of was looking at uh, the Loyola program really as a way to extend myself into more leadership possibilities without actually moving up to be an administrator, because I decided I didn't want to run a school, but I did want to um, influence the direction of uh, instruction and of policy and things like that, both in my local school and in my school district. Awesome. Very awesome. Um, So we're going to get into some questions. Um, We are focusing on the key concept portfolio and strategies for being met. So all of you out there, Michelle submitted an amazing portfolio. The first time she had very few things that needed to be updated. um, And so I thought she'd be the perfect person for strategies for being met the first time. So our first question is, how did you identify what artifacts you should use for the key concept objectives? So the spreadsheet that we worked on together in class that kind of went through all of the um, the key concept objectives was really helpful. But of course, some of those classes were a while ago. So it, you know, it took it took the class some time to like figure out what to fit in all of those blocks. So we didn't clearly we didn't get that done in the very first class. But instead of waiting around um, until we met again, I actually went through the course syllabi for every single course because if you uh, did not notice the first time, every single syllabus does identify the key concepts and the learning objectives that are intended to be covered by that course. So that actually made it really easy for me to then make my own notes about which classes I should go to for each different, um, for each different key concept objective, and then kind of looking back through the major assignments in those courses as well, because we do so many different things that it's really easy to forget about some of the assignments that we've done, especially in those first three or four classes. Um, So I found that to be really, really helpful to remind myself of what they did. And then I had to keep telling myself that it was okay to use the same artifact multiple times. Um, I I know we kind of tend to want to think of like one thing in one bucket, but that's just not practical. Um, And if you can explain something, if you can explain a connection with one artifact in multiple different ways, then you should absolutely, absolutely do that. 
Um, and that's, that's kind of how, how I approached it. Excellent. And I, I do agree with the one artifact for multiple key concepts is sometimes hard for our interns to wrap their heads around the first time. And most of our um, projects don't just focus on one key concept. They hit multiple. Um, we talked to, I talked with Kelly Keene earlier about um, learning objectives, and she stated that one assessment can cover multiple learning objectives. And it's the same thing where one project can cover multiple uh, key concepts. So excellent. Um, and the just to um, explain to the listeners out there, if um, we do a spreadsheet as a whole class. Um, so we identify the art, different artifacts, what class they came from, what the project was with each key concept. So if you haven't gotten to that part, if you're listening ahead or you're listening to this and we haven't done that activity yet, um, it is coming and it will be, you know, it's a collaborative effort to identify these artifacts. So Michelle, um, we're going to transition from the artifacts to writing the rationale. So when you wrote your rationales for all of your key concepts, which is daunting, there are a lot out there. What strategies did you use to ensure they met the criteria on the rubric? So the only time I did not meet on a rationale was in that very first submission. Um, and it was because, as you pointed out, I had missed one part of the um, the description and the rubric and so going through that experience once i was like oh <laughs> let me make sure that i very very specifically read through the entire description for each learning objective so you can't just base it off of like the simple one sentence <laughs> um, of the description you really do need to get into the weeds of what the explanation is and make sure that you are addressing each individual piece um, in the rationale. So I kind of came around to like a almost a formulaic way of addressing each rationale. So I started off saying um, identifying what class I was referring to, what professor, um, when it was, what project, um, and with a little bit of description about the assignment and then started getting into how I was tying that specific assignment in what ways to the key concept objective. Um, and I found that that was a helpful way to make it sound not very stilted, but also once I had kind of that formula in my head, it let me get started writing any rationale without feeling like I was stuck, um, being like, I don't know what to do. Um, the other thing I would say is there were a couple of times where I started in on a rationale with the artifact and as I was double checking and triple checking that I was meeting all the different parts of the learning objectives, I found that I hadn't and that actually I, I kind of felt like I was stretching to be able to do it, in which case I then paused and took a step back and said, is this actually the best artifact then to meet this objective? Should I press pause on this and look at something else? And often what I did at that point was reached out to um, my peer group and asked, um, what they were doing or how they were able to figure it out. And in a couple instances, I switched artifacts. And then in a couple instances, um, through talking with somebody else, I, you know, I gained that, that different vantage point to be able to continue on writing with the rationale. 
Awesome. Um, so I, there were, you said two amazing things. I want to hit the first, the artifact, if it's the right fit for the key concept. And um, I think this is a hard, something that's hard too, is it's not always cut and dry where you have an artifact that perfectly fits with each key concept. So it's, you know, the first one we a little bit earlier, we said, you know, it's not one artifact can be used for multiple key concepts, but you may also have a key concept that you have to use multiple artifacts and even from like maybe different classes um, to be able to showcase that it's met. So you might have one piece of it in one project with another piece of another project. And I love the idea that you, in writing the rationale, took a step back realizing maybe this artifact wasn't the right artifact um, and then had to reach out to your, your um, cohort, peers, yeah. Your, yeah, your peers and make sure, you know, and see what they were doing. Um, and a lot of times um, there are, you know, I, I like to call it artifact smashing where you might have to have, you know, like a PLN project, but then you also have to have a screenshot of your Twitter and a link to your Twitter handle or to your, you know, Instagram post or whatever you use to showcase um, the word ongoing that's in that description. So getting into those, like the weeds of what the description with that word ongoing to showcase that over time you've used it and not just in this one project, this one time. Um, did you want to respond to that? Oh, I, I was going to say that um, what I ended up doing uh, with my copy of the actual text of the learning objectives is I actually went through and highlighted words like multiple or ongoing or at least one or at least two, um, those kind of things that are so easy to gloss over visually, but that are going to trip you up in writing proper rationales because if something does say you need multiple that means you should be having at least two if not three artifact pictures and it's not like there's tons of those um, most rationales um, or uh, objectives i was able to meet with a single artifact so i had either one link or i had one picture um, but some things it's like I, I feel like i had six or seven or eight pictures for some of those um, because that's what was appropriate and you you glean that that's what's appropriate when you really start paying attention to the to the semantics and some of the words. I really like the idea of highlighting those words out um, and really looking at you know how how many artifacts should I be showcasing? Does it say multiple? Does it say ongoing? Does it say more than two? Um, the other thing you mentioned was the formula of the rationale and how you kind of created um, you know that like like just a quick formula of like what you would include in each rationale so that you could just start writing any rationale. And I thought that was really good. How long did it take you to get to that formula of what you wanted to write? Um, you know, I had looked at a previous example from somebody and uh, while I was looking at it, I, I kind of noticed that they were following that type of thing. Um, and so after I wrote my first couple ones, I, I mean, I think I wrote two or three in one night and then stepped away. And then when I came back like the next, the next time to, to work on it, I went back and looked over what I had done before. And I just picked up with that same exact, um, that same exact thing from the very first time I had looked. And so I, I thought that that was then really helpful for me. And it's, it's also helpful once you start 
getting that voice in your head of what this sounds like for you. And it's going to be slightly different for every single person, but it's easier, it's easier to write once you can hear your own voice. And so for me, having something that was formulaic, especially being a science teacher and all this sort of stuff like formulaic works for me. Um, I am not a poetic flowery person, so I didn't try and make poetic flowery things because that's not my voice. But for some people that might be that they just want to, you know, lead in and, and talk about different things. But um, so I, I do think it's important to kind of find that. But if you are struggling, start with a formula because you, you know, algorithms work. <laughs> um, and so you talked about this formula um, and creating the rationale. So um, shifting to the, our next question, how did you manage the workload of the rationales and artifacts for all the key concept objectives? Some of our other um, people who we've interviewed have mentioned the um, the amount of work and juggling that the key concept portfolio along with the internship. So how did you manage that workload? Um, I was not a fast starter. I definitely submitted only five at the first submission and definitely submitted only five on the second submission and left myself with a lot of work to do. Um, I would not necessarily suggest that, but I did have a lot of extenuating circumstances during my spring. I was dealing with the wedding um, as well as several other things at work. But I will say doing it in chunks of five feels good. Uh, I think you can, what I tried to do was combine a couple of low hanging fruit ones, things where you read the key concept objective and you're like, oh, that's obviously this project. And like, there's no question that like, those two things marry together and you can just knock that out easy. Do that because if <laughs> it'll make you feel better that you are getting ahead. And then, so every time I sat down to write, I tried to do a handful of those easy ones and then one or two where I was like, this is going to take more thought process. This is going to take a little bit more work for me to figure out um, how to combine a couple of different things or how I really need to approach the explanation to make it obvious that this meets the, um, the objective, uh, especially when you start, you feel you start doubting yourself when you use the same artifact over and over and over again. Um, but you get a lot of mileage out of that technology planning paper and you get a lot of mileage out of your internship proposal um, and some of these other papers and projects. So don't be afraid to use them. But I will say you should just kind of step back um, and do, do a little bit hard and a little bit easy every single time you sit down because if you just knock at all the easy ones to begin with, you're going to be sitting there with all the hard ones at the end and it's going to be really, really hard to find the motivation <laughs> to be able to work through those, those last few um, difficult ones. So I, I think that that makes it kind of easier. So add a little sugar on top of, on top of your, your bitter turnips or whatever the phrase, the, that's not a phrase, but you know what I mean? Like add, add, some, add some sweetener to, to the hard stuff every single time. And uh, it'll, it'll make you feel like you're continuing on with your progress. Um, I also found it helpful to when I did have time, I would bring my stuff over to one of my cohort members and we would sit down together and we were just, in the same space. Um, it's not that we were even asking each other for help that much, but it was just an accountability partner um, 
because that person was also going through a lot at the time. And so it was helpful to just make sure at least with one other person, you have somebody who's checking in with you, um, you know, make sure that you're offering to, you know, to read through somebody's stuff and, and ask other people to read through yours. Um, because you, this is a thing you should not feel like you're doing in isolation. Um, but you can, you can get way behind if you're just not talking to anybody and you're kind of blocking yourself from, from moving forward with it. And then you're going to be in a world of hurt a, a week from submission time. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so I love how you said that you actually got with someone, um, visit, and I assume you guys were face to face and, but yeah. so for those out there, Michelle was on an online program. Um, and so did you end up doing that online with anyone where you just sat through zoom or did you only meet with, um, with your cohort members face to face for those that could? Um, I just met face to face, although um, for a lot of other smaller check-ins, uh, we had a pretty extensive text thread going uh, with a small group of us uh, when we would all decide to kind of like three or four of us that we would sit down and we were all going to work on rationales together. And then you'd see us like pinging each other constantly be like, oh, what'd you do for 17.1? Or uh, this is what I was thinking for 7.2. And does this artifact make sense? And that sort of thing. Um, and that was really helpful to to, you know, be able to get that kind of immediate response from somebody because we were all doing the same thing at the same time and we had the same documents pulled up, um, especially since a lot of my partners on some of the projects were the same small group of people. So uh, those are the same people I, I reached out to um, within my cohort when we were working on, on the portfolio because we worked together on assignments. So, you know, we had a similar idea, even if it was just what did we call that in drive or do you have a copy of that in dropbox or those sorts of things so in case in case people lost documents which is never a good thing but it does happen it does happen you're right um i also really like um and so i, I well i asked that question because most of our students are now fully online so and they may not they may be in a situation where they're not close to anyone um and so how they could manage that in the online space which i mean after two years of coursework, you <laughs> figure out how to manage those things. Um, yeah. I also really like how you said a lot of mileage. And um, just for all of our intern listeners and for everyone out there, um, one thing that we as the instructors do is really ensure that the projects that you do um, can hit multiple court, uh, key concepts that you, a lot of them, sometimes you do have the one that fits the one key concept objective, but we really try to make sure that it, that they, they are, they hit multiple and we try to, as you said in the syllabi, we try to point that out to you to really help you along this process and not just like, good luck, my friends. Um, and so Michelle, you've had a lot of really good suggestions uh, for the current interns and future interns. Do you have any other suggestions on choosing artifacts or writing the rationales for the key concept objectives? Um, not so much for, for picking and choosing. I actually think that one of the biggest helps for me, um, which was obviously lacking for some of my cohort members because they reached out to me for help, um, was organizing myself from the get-go. I had, uh, in Drive, I had a folder 
for every single course and I tried to really make sure that I labeled everything really, really well and had the access to the syllabus there in Dropbox. I also created folders for every single course and it made it so much easier to be able to look things up. So whereas other people were like, oh, but what was that and where was it? So if you just have a folder called Loyola, that's not helpful. And I would actually suggest if you don't think your material is very well organized now, before you actually start trying to put your portfolio together, spend time going through all of your materials and organize them then because it's going to give you a, a fresh set of eyes on each document as you go and it's going to refresh your memory about what it was and it's going to be easier to pair those artifacts with the um the key concepts and if you did manage to keep yourself incredibly well organized i would still suggest that the first thing you do is actually pop open practically every single document in those folders and look back through them. Um, there were things that I had completely forgotten that I had done. Um, or in my head, I had combined, you know, two or three projects into one uh, when they really were standalone things. Um, so it's, it is super, super helpful at the very, very beginning to go back through and look through everything that you have. Make sure you know where it is. Um, and what it's called, <laughs> and if you need to rename it, rename it. Um, and then if you do have things in Drive, at that point when you're going back through stuff, make sure your share settings are set to be able to view as you're going through, because you're gonna be real, real annoyed when you get a comment back that, I can't review your portfolio because none of your links work and they're all set to private because that's a real easy fix, but it's a real pain in the butt to do it right at the last minute. And it's an easy thing to double check first. So those are kind of my things, uh, just a little bit more from an organizational perspective. Set yourself up to be able to easily look at all your material and be able to work with it when you decide to, to sit down and write don't start hunting and pecking for things every single time you sit down to write because you're just going to waste time that way. Awesome. That's such good advice. And especially the links I get portfolios. I get multiple portfolios every oh, know. year <laughs> that the links don't work. And it's, I, it's, it's frustrating for you all. I'm for the, you know, as the students, because you now have to go through and fix those links, but it's also frustrating for me because I have to stop because I'm not able to grade the things if I can't access it. And every year, no matter how many times I go over it or we talk about it or there's resources every year. Uh, well, thank you so much, Michelle, for chatting with us about strategies for being met on the key concept portfolio. Do you have anything uh, else to add or uh, for our interns or current, current and future interns? Um, the other thing I would say is I found it really helpful to set up the entire structure of my portfolio website to begin with. Um, I put in all of the headings, all of the text for all of the objectives to begin with, you know, any of the pages and submenus. And I did all of that stuff first because, again, it, it made it easier for me to feel like I had gotten started. I was doing something. Um, and then it also is, is 
a very easy visual reminder if you already have all of the key concepts identified in there it makes it super easy to be able to see if you've forgotten one <laughs> um, so I, I would just I would just say that and you don't have to go like crazy fancy with it either but you don't want it to be drab and black and white either yeah you're, you're so true I, I get some fancy portfolios and I just think you spent a lot of time putting this together and then I also get the you know very basic and I'm like you know you it's the same grade <laughs> you still just you pass i mean but it does it is preference like if you want to go above i encourage you to but um like we tell everyone the content is the most important so you can have all the bells and whistles on your portfolio but if your content is not solid then you're going to have to be doing some revisions well michelle thank you so much for joining us on strategies for being met on the key concept portfolio um and yeah congratulations because you're done i am done <laughs> Right, Give me my you. diploma. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. On the next episode, we will continue to dive into the key concept portfolio with common mistakes. Have a great week of teaching and learning, and thanks for listening.